Hey guys, if you are a father who would like to have a deeper relationship with your son, if you have a son that you're trying to pour into and develop, if you want to help your son see the greatness that you know he has in his life, I've got a very special event coming up June 23rd through 27. We are going to be in Cleveland National Forest. My father's coming with me, Who my, the man who you hear me talk about all the time, who helped me become who I've become in life. We're going to be doing a father-son rite of passage event, Map and Compass Land Navigation. I'll be teaching you how to use Map and Compass in the exact same place that I learned in Navy SEAL training. This is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You'll, rem- you'll have these memories for the rest of your life. If you want to find out more, you can click the link in the description below. We've only got 16 spots available and we've already sold a few of those you can find out more at the impossible.life slash legacy navigators you're asking yourself a question you're asking life a question that that question could take six months for you to find out the answer to that question could take two years for you to find out the answer to and what if you asked a wrong question right? What if you could have thought about it differently and asked a better question or thought about it differently and answered that question, but you just said, you know what? Now pick door number two. Let's see what the answer to that question is. And you just wasted two years of your life asking the wrong question. That's impossible. Let me tell you what I believe. But your weakness is not your technique. Yes! Yes! Don't think you are. No, you are. The Impossible Life Podcast. I mean, you're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. This is the Impossible Life Podcast because Nick and I are attempting to live impossible lives. What we know is that nothing is impossible. So instead of using impossible as an excuse to not try, we'll use the pursuit of impossible as an accelerant for greatness. If something's never been done before, that just means it's unexplored. If they tell you it's too hard, it's just waiting to be simplified. Impossible is a default label used by uncourageous people unwilling to take a risk. The real truth is this. The solution to any impossible task starts with this question. If I had to, what would it take? What would it take? Welcome to another episode of The Impossible Life. I'm your co-host, Nick Surface, and I'm set across from a man who is currently in negotiations with WD-40 for an all-natural vehicle lubricant made entirely from his own sweat. That's right, friends. The former Navy SEAL... Garrett Unkelbach, a man who came pre-installed with anti-chafing when he left Heaven's Factory. Well, what was the inspiration for this one? I'm just curious. You know exactly. Dude, so the inspiration, if you don't know, we are running 100 miles at the end of the year. So the fun thing is that just gives us an excuse to wake up stupidly early and go run long distances together. So myself, Garrett, and a good friend of ours, Joe, were running on Sunday, and we were talking about some of the things we need to prepare for for the 100 miler. Most of that conversation was Garrett antagonizing me about uh, things that I'm going to keep off the air for now. And <laughs> I'd shoot him a look there. And one of the things Joe says, like, oh, you guys got to be careful of chafing. And because I, we talk about stuff all the time, I knew that Garrett, you, it's your story to tell, man. You have like this weird superpower about chafing. Um, it's really not so much that I have a weird superpower. It's really just, there was something that uh, guys would say in the military to certain individuals who were more prone to chafe or, you know, other sorts of things. They would just call it weak genes. Okay. Of course, it always comes back to weakness. Well, <laughs> okay, then I guess I do have to tell the story. So you run 240 miles in Hell Week alone during Buds, and you've told me the story many times that some guys' like skin and legs would look like hamburger meat because they got so chafed, like so badly, and you never chafed at all. And when you tell other SEALs that, they don't believe you. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a. am not the only one, but it is more on the few side. And um, it's not really what I would call my highlight, but I think that's funny that, that you think it is my highlight. But yeah. Dude, I didn't say it was your highlight. It just, you asked me what the inspiration was for your, for my WD-40 negotiation. I think it's intro. funny. Well, I'm glad, you know, look at that, man. Nick, I th- Nick is one of those guys that needs all the cream and the Vaseline. Okay. And <laughs> First of all. That's not true. <laughs> Second of all, this is just one of many things that like, I don't even know why I agreed to do this 100 miles. It's going to be 100 miles of me responding to all of Garrett's barbs. And you know, no, it won't be the first. It won't be 100. It'll be the last 30. Whatever. Man. <laughs> the last 30. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> it's really like my filter. At, like after 
I'm tired or we've been in it or re- also when I see other people start to get weak, this is not the best side of me, but you will see my filter disappear. I'm looking for, you know what? That alone <laughs> makes me ready to go hundred. So I'm looking forward to that. Anyways, what we are talking about today, G, is something that everyone ex- uses every single day. It's questions. And that can sound like a very like, okay, you're doing a podcast on questions. That may sound like something simple, but I promise you, questions and the quality of your questions has the power to change the trajectory of your life, truly. Um, there was a guy, a French guy named Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, and he's known for the quote. Can you say that last name again? De Exupéry. De Saint-Exupéry. Anyways, he's in a special mood today, friends. Uh, he says, perfection is achieved not when there is nothing more to add, but when there is nothing left to take away. Let's say that one more time. Perfection is achieved not when there's nothing more to add, but when there's nothing left to take away. It's like a statue of David thought process. What, that's exactly my point. And then you start thinking about that. All that is is just two different questions. One person saying, well, what else can we add? You know, and that's how we're going to end up with like the supersized triple XL value meal from whatever you know, restaurant chain. The other one's saying, what can we take away? Yeah, very different, but that's where you get don't, some of these. Don't, elegant be, don't creations. be jack in the box and try to put a million things on your menu. Yeah, if you don't know the statue of David reference, it's Michelangelo who stared at you know a block of marble for over a year. Yeah, and then began his process and just said, when they asked him how he did it, he said, "I just eliminated everything that wasn't David." I love that story so oh, much, man. The best it, line ever. It is such a like flex. Hang your hat on that one. Yeah, no kidding, man. Well, one of your personal heroes, G, uh, known for the I question. Say he's a, I wouldn't say he's a hero, but he is cer- certainly someone that I admire because he had has just as many flaws uh, to match his greatness, but go ahead. Well, it was Henry Ford, and we talked about it last week if you haven't listened to last week. I think week. we've used this quote probably half a dozen times yeah. in this podcast, but I'm, I'm okay with that. We could use it every time. Yeah, and it was the question, right? He said if I would have asked them what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, and this is a guy who brought in. If I had asked them what they wanted, they would have said, yep. right? So this is Henry Ford saying, you you would have told me this is what you wanted, faster horses, right? I just want to get there faster. And Henry Ford said, let me tell you something that's better than what you can conceive for yourself. Because he knew, why do you want faster horses? I just want to get there faster. Yeah. I want it to be easier. And he said, I can answer that question in a better way. Right. So I hope you're starting to see a little bit of the thought of how their questions are going to influence a lot of where you go in life and your thought processes and the things that you will spend time thinking about putting your energy into and doing. So I want you to think about your own questions that you ask yourself daily. There's questions that you ask every, every day, every morning. Uh, you know, I ask this question every morning to my wife and to my kids. Hey, did you sleep well? You know, and, that, and that's a simple question there's a thought process behind it. I'm gauging, particularly with my kids, energy levels and how I need to engage with them. But like, we ask a lot of stupid questions that we don't actually pay attention to the answer. Like, oh, hey, how you doing? Like, that's just like a greeting that we don't really think about. Yeah. Well, Steve Jobs had a daily question. So think about the questions you use on a regular basis with people and, and A, how much you pay attention to the answers and B, what you actually get out of asking those. Steve Jobs' question that he asked himself every single day, he asked himself one question. And the question was, if I was to die today, would I still want to do what I'm doing? And I don't know what your thought process is. I almost didn't want to share that on the podcast because my immediate thought was, well, that's stupid because if I knew I was going to die today, you know, I would go drive a Ferrari out the back of a plane. You know, you would come up with something ridiculous. I can see that that amused you. I just made that up on the spot there, G. But, but you get my point. I almost want to You know, to I think a lot out. of people would, like, your first inclination would be to say those things. Right. But is that would, you know, and I, I don't think that's really what you mean, that that's what you would want to do no. in the last day of your life. But that's what I think a lot of people's answers would sound like that. Yeah. Because cause for Steve Jobs, you could have told him it was his last day and he would have kept doing what he was doing. Yes. Right. Because that was what he wanted his life to be about. Yes. He wasn't saying, oh, well, if it's if this is the last day, I got to stop doing all this other stuff that doesn't matter and finally go do what I exactly. really want to do. And that's why I wanted, that's why I decided to share that with everybody because you can write that question off as being stupid because it's like, oh, well, of course not. We'll, we'll draw back on that a little bit. If that is your answer, if you think that's a stupid question, then, I mean, gee, you shared what he would, he would assess this question. Yeah, so right? he, he's talked about that multiple times uh, in keynotes about how he would ask that question. He's like, you know, sometimes the answer was no, right? Sometimes, you know, today isn't what I would want to be doing. But he said, if it was no enough times in a row, I'm going to reevaluate my life. And that's really the purpose of uh, these better questions that we want to talk about is how can I reevaluate my life? How can I reorient towards my target? How can I quit wasting time? 
not how can I get faster horses. Exactly. So, and think about that wavelength. I mean, Steve, this is the same guy at Steve Jobs who at a time when everybody was getting smaller and smaller phones asked a different question about how he could make things simpler and more functional and came out with a bigger phone that had one button. You know, this is at a time when people had all 10 buttons plus the, the pound sign and the Yeah, asterisk. it was the BlackBerry. Oh, yeah. The, this oh, the was, black, that yeah, was the BlackBerry. iPhone was 2008, 2008 right? Yeah, 2008. Yeah. And the hot phones then were... Uh, I think it was the Razor 3 or the Razor 2 Slim, something like that. And it yeah. was the thinnest Razor. Yep. Every, oh, most people had the Motorola Razor. That was like the cool phone. And then it was the BlackBerry. Yeah. BlackBerry was like, I got a million, I got a button for everything. Exactly. I got all the buttons. Yeah. So that's what, and that's exactly the point. Your questions can lead you to a, compl- to a place that, you know, one of my favorite quotes, talent hits a mark that no one else can. Genius hits a mark that no one else can see. I love that see. quote. Yeah. It's a great quote. Steve Jobs asked a similar question. If I had asked... Um, like Henry Ford, if I had asked them what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. If I had asked them what they wanted, they would have said a better BlackBerry, yep. a thinner phone. Um, and just and we di- we didn't talk about this before, Nick, but I just want to drop this thought: Who is them in that context? If I had asked them what oh. they wanted, right? Who is them? Probably the consumer, right? Well, it's not just the consumer. Who them is, is it's the general market, the general consensus, the mob of people that just drift in a certain direction. Here's where things are going, and I'll just keep falling that way. Yeah. Right? It's a lack of intentionality. Mm, and so part of asking a better question is saying, where where is just the wind blowing? Like, where is everyone just floating downstream, essentially? And do I need to pick my head up and look what's downstream and say, do I want to keep going that way or do I want to pick a new path? Yeah. Right. And so that like that was I experienced some of that in my own life. The reason I love that Henry Ford quote so much is one of the first in my life that latched on to me. First email signature I ever had where it was more than just, you know, see you later, Garrett. Right. First email signature I had, I put that quote in there. If I'd asked them, because if I'd asked them what they wanted, I would have said faster horses because I felt like I so connected with that because so many times in my life uh, from from high school and on where I was picking a new direction in my life, college was one of those things for me that I was like, you know what? Everyone is going in that direction. I don't want to do that. Right. And so it was, if I had asked them, what should I do with my life? You should go to college. And I said, you know what? Everybody's doing that. Is that really the right thing to do? Mm. Um, so I just wanted to drop that thought on who the them is. Yeah. Um, you don't want to just go with the flow on questions. Yeah. And you touched on some of what we talked about last week, which if you haven't listened, listen to time frame orientation, the, the podcast we did last week on how to see the future, because I think when you have a different time frame orientation, questions like this will be a lot more valuable to you and and understanding the power of questions will mean a lot more to you. So there's a guy that we all know and love. Tony Robbins says that if you want a better answer, ask a better question. And it's so simple, but man, is that What would Boney Tobbins say? Boney Tobbins would say, all right, son, you want a better question? Oh, I messed it up. (laughs) Anyways, that's what Boney Tobbins would say. That's the British counterpart to Tony Robbins and Garrett loves that so much. Anyways, so I want to look at, I mean, so quite that is going back to that. If you want a better answer, ask a better question. I love that because it's a controllable, right? It puts it back on you, but it challenges you to really like take a look at if you're getting an answer that you don't like, great. Ask a better question. You have the power to do that. So I thought a great place to start would be like looking at the wrong questions. We yeah. Ask. What, are, what are the wrong questions? And, and where ask? does that come from? As always, guys, we're not going to give you a list of 12 questions you should ask in every situation in your life because you'll see why we're going to get to that. But we want to give you the thought process behind that. So when we start saying, why do people ask wrong questions? I think number one, and we've talked about the history of school and how you just get used to cranking out results and doing what you're told. I, I love just, <laughs> I just want to say this before we get into this one. I love that it's, this is becoming not that I ever want things to be mainstream, but I love that so many more people are waking up to this. I agree. Because 10 years ago, when I was telling everybody, like, college is a bad idea, it's a waste of money, like, everyone was like, yeah, cool story, man. Yeah. I feel like everyone, I if, if I haven't mentioned it before, I've always had an issue with universities. I don't like the price that they pay. I don't know. I don't like how much they're charging people uh, for an education so that they can build bigger football stadiums yes. so that people can come out the other end with a piece of paper 
that they paid $100,000 for that is not going to help them out. And if you had just learned how to do a simple ROI calculation in high school, Mm -hmm. you'd have looked at the cost of your college education and said, I'm not going to get my money back. Um, But you create, there's this culture in the world, which is finally changing, but there was this culture in the world. I remember when I, you know, I graduated high school 2009. There was this culture in the world then. And for decades before that, that you have to go to college. Like if you want to be successful, you have to go to college. That was our parents' generation. And it's a lie. Yeah. It's 100%. a lie, and I love that people are waking up to that. Let's yeah. come back in. It is amazing, final thought on that, because the value, the actual jobs that you can get because of your college degree are going down, but the price of said college degree is going up. <laughs> My simple thought in high school was, okay, you're telling me that I have to go to college to be successful, but not everyone's going to be successful, and everyone's going to college. Something <laughs> does not add up here. Yeah, you did the math. Anyways, so we have, we we could tell some highlights that keep coming up in our conversations, but that employee mentality that we talked about a few weeks ago, where that is developed, if you look at the history of school and where it came from, and I referenced uh, Seth Godin's take on that, which is is a very valuable read. I actually had our our friend Pierce, the big show, Chow, get in touch and say, hey, was this what you were talking about? So he read it, and I love that he did that. Because Pierce is a go-getter. He is a go-getter. We're going to have him on here. But that employee mentality of, okay, boss, what do I do next? Like that is, that's your question. Tell me what to do. What do I do? Yeah. Give me the task list. Yeah. Just give me a step by step. And this isn't like a knock on, um, people in the military with simpler jobs. But if you are a young enlisted person, if you're an E3, E4, you do a job that simply has a checklist, right? Like literally like this is what I go up to the hell. I don't even know how a helicopter works. Never even flown in one, but this is, I check this part. It needs to look like this. I clean it and I put it back in its place. Right. Very simple. Just tell me what to do with a task list. Yeah. So if you're, if your questions are very much just kind of like, what do I do? What do I do? That think about where that mentality came from. You know what I mean? You're, you're used to going to school, sitting down, you got to get a good grade. Here's the homework. Here's the assignment. Go home. This is due tomorrow. And then what happens? You graduate. Maybe you go to college. Maybe you don't. But you start getting in that same process. What we don't realize is that human beings, you can see it everywhere, we're made to be conditioned. And we're conditioning our thought process all the time. So that employee mentality will not if lead you to you, ask great questions. If all you have is a task list, eventually you'll say, I don't like these tasks. Yes. Right? Like if we've, I've mentioned this before. If I was your fitness coach, if I was your weight loss coach, like we would spend a lot of time talking. And if you didn't listen to the stuff that I say, you would end the conversation with, but what do I do? Yeah. Right? What I can help you with what to do, but more importantly, how are you thinking about what you're doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because if, if we didn't have any conversation, if you just said, I want to lose weight and I gave you a list of tasks, just do these very difficult tasks and you'll lose weight. Eventually you would get to, unless you had a clearly defined why, unless you had attached it to other things in your life, you'd start doing those tasks and be like, man, I don't like this. Yeah. I don't like, where's a pill that I can take because you have not, you've not fully built out the plan. You've not asked all the right questions about how to lose weight. You just want the task list. So that's one of the wrong questions that we ask. That's a great foreshadowing as well. G we're going to get into that more. I I think another great reason that we ask the wrong questions is fear, whether Mm. that's a fear of not liking the answer or a fear of looking stupid, a fear of inadequacy. I think there's a lot of things tied in for sure. I think, uh, people fail to ask the difficult questions or the right questions because they don't want to, uh, not wanting to look stupid and being afraid of the answer is, is a big one for people. Yeah. Um, next thing that we talking about is a lack of preparation. I think there's a lot of times when people are assimilating information in the moment and have not taken the time to, you know, I, I mean, if you read, if you, I mean, now you don't even have to read, you can have audible, but if you're not putting new ideas, thought processes, learning from other people's life journeys, life studies, uh, you're going to be underprepared for when things hit you. If you haven't prepared for the moment, right? Like there's a, there's a way that I live in my life, a movie that had a big impact on me. And this is like, not one that people think is like a big impact movie, uh, but is the Sandlot. Oh, what a movie. And what a movie. Love it. Um, I, and I played more baseball when I was younger, quit playing baseball when I in high school. But anyways, Sandlot had a big impact on me because of Benny the Jet. Yep. Right. And the way that he's living his life. And it's, it wasn't like that that was his final movement, but the end of the movie is him in the pickle. Yeah. Right. And what the, the, the connectedness of that movie is he's been preparing his whole life for this and for him to uh, win that rundown and score a home run, steal home base. Right. 
um, he had been preparing for the pickle his whole life. And a thought process for me um, that like where that movie impacted me is he was a child. Like he had no idea that he's going to play in the MLB. He had no idea he was going to be in that moment, but he had been preparing uh, with this thought process of, I don't know what my pickle is going to be, but I'm going to be ready for my pickle when it comes. And if you wait until uh, that moment, if you wait until the moment of the opportunity to start preparing, you will fail. If you have said, you know what, I'm just going to prepare. I don't know when my moment's going to come. I don't know what my moment's going to be. But if you start preparing for, preparing for the pickle before it comes, that's when you'll win your rundown. Yeah, I love that. It's funny because all I could think about was Wendy Peppercorn and you're killing me, Smalls, <laughs> and you've got like a great life lesson. So, man, I need to start asking better questions. <laughs> How could I have some more? I haven't had any yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next one we said, misunderstanding timeline. And man, I feel like this is this one goes in so many different directions. The one that I'm going to talk about, I think there's there's some questions that a lot of people ask at certain times in their life, and it's because they don't understand where they're at on the timeline of life. We were talking about this beforehand. The example I gave is I think a lot. Go, if you didn't, if you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to Time Frame Orientation, our yeah, last podcast. That was last week's. Yeah, because. I think about it like this. If you're so many people, when you're in your 20s, especially, you have a very short time frame orientation because, you know, all you've known is basically what you've had to do when you wake up in the day, which is get yourself to school and all that sort of stuff and, you know, very simple things. So you to think in a long term time frame is a foreign thought. So what you do is you start asking that employee mentality question of like, you know, what do I do? Or like a lot of people are like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And that's the question they ask because they don't understand. I had a, a mentor of mine say to me that between when you're in your 20s, you should just do everything because you're going to find out what you like, what you're passionate about, and you're going to start to see what your abilities are. And then he said in your 30s, you start to hone in on what you're really good at and develop specialist skills. And he said between 40 and 60 is when you have the most productive period of your life. There's a great thought process and a great book uh, about what got you here won't get you there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're stuck in life, Instead of you can't see down the road, you just got to say what's next, right? right? How do I just need to get? I just need to get to the next day. I just need to get out of this difficult situation, and then I can think better, right? But but if if what you do is use the what's next to get you to the next, and then your life just becomes about next, and it's just today to the next day to the next day, that and you never look up, you never start looking further down the road, that's when the thing that saved you from a difficult moment becomes the thing that brings you back to those difficult moments. Yeah. So we go through seasons in life. We go through seasons of moments where this is a moment of I need to focus on what do I do right now. Okay, how do I do I need to do what's just the next thing, right? Because I have so much pressure on top of me. I have so many things coming at me. I just need to focus on the next thing thing. And then you get out of that, right? You get out of the survival mode. You get to a space where you have some room to think. That's where you got to pick your head up and look down the road. And so the the thought process that I'm connecting that to is not just with understanding the timeline, but knowing if you just keep asking the same questions over and over again, that you've got to connect that back to the time frame orientation, right? And and when you get the spot, you've got to look further down the road. Yeah. And I I hope that does make sense. There's definitely, we had talked about, there would be some great questions to ask if you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties. Maybe that's something that we'll dive into at another time, uh, not on this podcast, but uh, understanding timeline is a massive one because if you are like to Garrett's point, if you're looking for something just in your twenties and your time frame is going to, your timeline is going to be a lot different than if you're in your fifties and sixties, you should be asking different questions at, at those, at those stages of life. Uh, the next reason, and this is probably the one I that, want to say one more thing yeah, on the, uh, the misunderstanding timeline. It's both things, right? misunderstanding timeline can be like, man, you're not looking all the way towards the end of your life with Mm -hmm. what you're doing right now. But on the flip side of that, it's also, I I think this is a common one that trips people up is a lack of urgency. Yeah. Um, And urgency is not busyness. Urgency is not, I got to just, you know, grind all the time and use every moment. But urgency is, is an understanding of, I have to use the moments that I have to prepare, Mm -hmm. right? What if Benny the jet in his preparation for the pickle had said like, man, I know the pickle's so far away, right? It's not, pickle's definitely not tomorrow, so I can goof off today, right? No, uh, Benny had a sense of urgency. He's like, today matters, right? That's really our thought process that we talk about here in this podcast of a sense of urgency is understanding that today matters. And if you don't have the today matters thought process, you 100% will ask the wrong questions. Yeah, if you're asking a question and you think the answer is gonna take you two weeks and the actual answer is gonna take you two years, that's misunderstanding timelines, and that's when you can get yourself into a lot of don't, a lot of don't problems. Don't think about questions 
just as like, you know, like I verbally ask Nick a question right now. Think about questions for yourself. Sometimes like you're asking yourself a question, you're asking life a question that that question could take six months for you to find out the answer to. That question could take two years for you to find out the answer to. And what if you asked a wrong question? Right. What if you could have thought about it differently and asked a better question or thought about it differently and answered that question? But you just said, you know what? Now pick door number two. Let's see what the answer to that question is. And you just wasted two years of your life asking the wrong question. Yeah, I think some of the highlights there, what you said without saying it exactly this way, G, is questions. There's a cost that comes with questions of both energy and also I I looked at this a little bit in our prep. Questions bring focus. Yes. Right. I mean, one of your favorite questions is the question that God asked Moses in Exodus 4 too. What What's in your hand? Right. So what did it do? It immediately focused him. So understand that the power of your questions is there is an energy cost. Because Moses was complaining. Yeah. Moses was talking about all the things he doesn't have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So moving on to the next thing that we highlighted as reasons why we asked the wrong questions is apathy. And yeah, I just, that one kills me because it's, we were talking about this can you imagine we in the world where we have more information than ever, fewer and fewer people are reading and actually diving into that information? I read it in that speech uh, that I read last Saturday at Mighty Men. Yeah. No, it wasn't in that speech. It was in, it was in a different thing. But anyways, the thought is, what's the difference between someone who can't read and someone who doesn't read? Yeah. If that doesn't punch you, if you're a person who doesn't read and that doesn't sting, like you missed that. Can you ask that question again, please, G? What's the difference between someone who can't read, you're illiterate, you're unable to read. What's the difference between that and someone who doesn't read? Yeah. That is your ability to absorb information. That's your ability to grow your brain, to be better than you were today, tomorrow. And you say, no, I don't need that. It's a lack of urgency. It's definitely a spirit of apathy. Like, ah, it doesn't matter. Today doesn't matter. These opportunities don't matter. Comfort is a killer. Don't forget that because it really is. And then the last thing, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why we could give why, why we ask wrong questions, but is a lack of understanding patterns. We are surrounded by patterns every single day. We all expect the sun to rise and go down. We know there's spring, summer, fall, winter, but we don't, we fail to recognize those patterns in our own life. And so we don't ask questions that could truly be an unlock for us to all the things that we say we want freedom, financial freedom, like for example. And, and you know what it takes to understand patterns sometimes? Uh, Pat, one of the biggest things for pattern recognition is comes from time frame orientation. You can't see the pattern because you're too zoomed in. Mm, yeah, exactly. And we'll, we're going to do a podcast on pattern recognition. We are. Yeah, it's a big thing that, that's been uh, in focus lately. So just to review, and then I want to uh, give an example of, of, of a place where people are asking the wrong questions. So the reason why we ask the wrong questions is we have an employee mentality. There's fear involved, a lack of preparation, misunderstanding of timelines, apathy, and a lack of understanding patterns. These will all lead us to ask wrong questions. And guess what? You'll be busy. You'll be asking questions. You'll be expending energy and you'll be bringing focus, but it'll be to all the wrong things. And that's how you end up just running in circles your whole life without actually feeling like you got anywhere. But gee, you- And one thing that's not up there that I would add for uh, th- thought processes that lead to asking the wrong questions is a lack of purpose. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah, big time. Yeah, if you lack purpose, it's just, hey, what's fun now? And- yeah, I've been there. That's that's not a that is that is a question that will lead you to a lot of bad places. Uh, okay, but gee, you had you were fortunate enough to have been in uh, buds and be a Navy SEAL, and you actually used to mentor SEAL. What is it, tadpoles? Yeah, and, Tad, tadpoles, wannabe frogs. They're on their way. And so you got to see not all the tadpoles become frogs. No, I, the vast majority don't. Right? What is yeah. it like seventy five percent drop? It's a lot. Yeah, it's I, high. Yeah, it's a high attrition rate. But you you could yeah, tell there was something that I learned. Um, from getting to talk with these guys a lot from, and, and the only reason that I, that I like to refer back to buds and use it as a great example is because it's a very difficult test, a very difficult test and tests help us understand who we are. Yeah. And I watched a lot of guys prepare for a very difficult test. I watched, or I, I talked to my peers when I went through about how they had prepared, but then I also understood in helping other students prepare the type of questions that they asked, right? You're going to ask a lot of questions. All these guys now, I didn't have very many people to ask questions to back then, but now all these tadpoles, they have so many questions. How do I prepare? And something that I noticed uh, that there was a distinct difference 
and the types of questions uh, from the students who made it and the students who didn't, the questions that they were asking. A lot of the questions that students uh, who didn't make it would ask, because this is a very difficult test and it's very difficult physically, and they thought if I can just be a physical specimen, if I can be Captain America, buds could be easy for me, Mm. and it won't. Buds is designed to be hard. It doesn't matter if you are Captain America. They will still make it hard for you. It's designed to do that to you. So the wrong questions that people would ask is, how fast do I have to be able to run? How many push-ups do I have to be able to do? They asked for this simple thing, like what, you know, how strong do I physically have to be that Buds wouldn't be hard for me? And those were the wrong questions because they didn't understand the test. Mm. The test was not how physically capable you are. Because if that was the test, they would just go find the best athletes in the world and pull them into into training. They would recruit them. There's actually a low bar to get into, respectively, of the training. There's a low bar that you have to pass physically to make it into buds. It's not a low bar for physical tests, but respective of the training, it's a low bar. So they weren't necessarily looking for the best athletes. What the test of SEAL training is, is what do you do in spite of failure? Mm. What, if I, what, what will you do? How will you respond if I put you in the most difficult of circumstances? So it's a totally different way of preparing. Yeah. So the right questions, the right questions to ask yourself going into BUDS wasn't how many push-ups do I need to be able to do? How fast do I need to be able to swim? Not how fast to pass the test. How Because the questions, the wrong questions they were asking was, how fast do I have to run? How fast do I have to swim that it won't be hard for me? Mm. That was the wrong question, that it won't be hard for me. The test is designed to be hard for you. So the right questions to make it through SEAL training was what price am I willing to pay? Mm. What is it that could make me quit? Right, and you have to find the answers to those questions, and it has to be within yourself. You have to decide there's no price that I'm not willing to pay. Right, right? And, and that's why one of these statements that set me up for success in my life prepared me for that test is that you can have anything you want in life as long as you're willing to pay the price for it. So even though I didn't have the same level of preparation that other people did, mm. what I knew is that I was willing to pay any price, right? And I knew it was going to be hard versus these other students who had thought like, oh, I'm prepared right? I have studied so well, I know I will ace this test. And then they got to the test and the questions were nothing like with the, the study material. Mm. And they said, I, I, I'm a failure. I'm not prepared for this test. And they quit. Mm. Man, I love that. Yeah, I could, I could go, my mind could go in 20 different directions. I've heard you tell that story so many times. And it's and just it an still exa- makes it's, me think. It's an yeah. example of how we can ask the wrong questions, prepare for the test incorrectly and get there and fail. Yeah. Or if you understand the test, if you, if you look ahead to what's coming for you and you prepare correctly, then you, and, and in that situation, it was like, I actually didn't even know how bad the test was going to be. Yeah. There were parts of buds that I, that were easier than I thought they were going to be. Right. And I actually, I didn't know back then, and it wasn't so easy to Google everything. Um, I didn't know back then how cold the water in San Diego was. I would spend all my time in my pool in Texas in the winter or the, um, in, in December and January, the pool's like 42 degrees. Ooh. I'd sit in there for an hour. So when we would go to surf torture and the water's 55 degrees for an hour, I'm like, I've done this before. Yeah. And if you've sat in 40 degree water versus 55, it is. It's a big difference. Massive difference. One, one of the things that is a, is a beat down through training is log PT. Yeah. I, I didn't know, right? Nobody had told me. I thought log PT was every day. Log PT they actually took from, you know, we've been reading this book, Un- Unbroken, yeah. uh, with our men's group. Uh, that's, where, that's where this came from. It came from uh, guys who went through this stuff in prisoner, uh, as a prisoner of war, and it came into military training. Like, this is a, a way to really test people huh. uh, because they, these that. guys saw it as prisoners of war that this was, it, it's certainly not a great way to treat people, but we could tell who was who from who could, who was resilient enough to withstand this training. I thought that that was every day. It's really only one, once or twice a week. There were all these things that I didn't know, but I didn't, I didn't ask myself, how do I prepare enough that that'll be easy for me? Yes. What I said was, how do I need to prepare that even when it's hard, I won't quit? Mm. And we're going we're gonna to break this down. because I, I hope that right now everybody's starting to realize the power of questions. And I remember the first time I encountered this thought process, it really challenged me and opened me up to a whole new world of possibility. Because what we're saying is, if you can start to tap into a thought process that asks better questions, you will truly see answers 
that are hidden in broad daylight that perhaps other people are overlooking or things that are meant for you based on your strengths, your abilities, God's design for your life. So there really is so much power in these. But we're not just going to talk around them. We're going to give you a thought process. Let me break down a really false uh, misconception that is out there. Okay. Um, I saw this in SEAL training. This goes right along with the questions. People think that if you want it bad enough that you can have it, right? Like I... I remember uh, I was I showed you this picture the other day that I got from when I went back to San Diego from one of my friends who had been a training around me of the, of all of us in white shirts. I love that. And I, there was a guy's face that I haven't seen in a decade, and it just snapped back to me uh, this memory of him crying on the beach, crying on the beach. His father was a Navy SEAL, and he was just sobbing about how he had wanted this so bad. Right? You can't have it just because you want it. And so uh, this is what will happen to us, right? We'll, we'll think like, man, I just want it so bad. I want it enough. And I think that I've prepared uh, correctly. But if you haven't prepared, if you haven't prepared correctly, if you haven't been asking the right questions, it might not matter how much you think in your heart that you wanted it if you're not prepared. Mm. Yeah, that's a, uh, it was, yeah, no, that's a great point, G. And I, I could start to get distracted. So I say, I just say that to say, that's why asking the right questions is so important. Yes, massively. So, we want to give you a thought process to help you ask the right questions. And we have broke this into a low, mid, and high thought process, looking at some, you'll recognize some of the elements of this. I want to stress up front that this is not like based on a level of intelligence. Like if you're only looking at low, then you're stupid. We are not saying that at all. You actually need all three of these. Yeah, think get- about it from a like battlefield perspective. You've yes. got like the ground level, you've got up on the hill overseeing the ground level, and then you've got the satellite view. You've got the 30,000-foot right. view. Yeah, you need all three to be successful. If you just have one, you're not going to be you got the guys. you got the guys on the ground telling the guys looking at it on satellite, hey, man, you can't see what I see. Exactly. Right, and, and vice versa. You have guys on the ground getting information from guys on ISR, guys with satellite or overhead footage saying, you can't see this, but let me tell you what's around the next corner, right? So it's so important that you have both the low level and the high level. Right. So, G, do you want to, you want to break us into this? So some of the things that people at a low level will ask. Right. So the, just, again, to frame this, this is a full thought process for how to ask the right questions and to assess yourself because more than us just telling you, Hey, these are the right questions, right? Again, that's the wrong question to ask yes. on, on the questions podcast, what the impossible life is about. And this is what we will continue to be about is how can we help you be a better think yes. thinker? How can we help shape you into what seal training called thinking shooters, right? Where it's more than just, can you follow a task list, but can you assess any problem and determine what are the right things to do? We want to feed you the thought processes that'll help you ask better questions instead of just tell you, here's a list of better questions, right? That's the employee mentality. You've got to be a thinker. You've got to be your own problem solver. So, um, these are, this is a framework for how to assess your questions, right? And you need to be asking questions at the low level, the mid level, and the high level, and not just be at one of those levels, but be able to see the whole picture, the full picture, see the whole battlefield, right? Like in the analogy that I made. So low level questions, right? And don't look at it, not, low is not dumb. Low is on the ground. Is what am I doing? Where am I doing it, right? The what and the where, that's the low level. The mid level is who and how. And right, these, these are question words. These are questions that you can uh, be asking of your situation, that you can be asking of yourself, of your life, your business, any context. These questions relate. Mid-level is who and how. And then at the high level, we have why and when. Something that I want to I connect this to, the, the what and where, that's a plan. If you know what, the, if you know what you're doing, you know where you're doing it, you have a plan. And plans aren't bad. Plan, uh, having a plan is certainly better than having no plan. But a plan is not a strategy. Yes. Right? When you have a what and a where, and you also have a why with that, you know why you're doing what you're doing, that's when you have a strategy. Mm-hmm. And strategy is so much more important than just having a plan. Because what happens? Plans fail. Yeah. Eh, like, it is, it is the, it's not a running joke. It's just like the known known like we will plan a mission and 100% we're going to get out there and it's not going to go the way that we intended and if you don't have strategy if all you have is a plan and your plan breaks what do you do 
And you, if you're not, I'm not dogging on other forces. If you're not special operations, if you haven't been taught how to do your why, if you, or, or if you don't understand the true mission and your plan breaks, you're just going to sit there and call HQ and say, what do we do now? Give yeah. us a new plan. Yeah. Right. And if you live your life that way, like really what you're going to do is be stuck on the battlefield for the majority of your life because you don't know how to think correctly. You don't know how to ask the right questions. And I want to I want to highlight because we are not all soldiers. I want to make sure, uh, and we may not necessarily have it, that may not hit home with people. Where we see this a lot, where you see people just focusing on the tactics, on the what and the where, is the fitness industry, right? For sure. So many times, hey, that guy's buff. What are you doing? You know, like what are you doing? Oh, cool. And then I'm just going to go do the exact same things. And because there's no understanding of why, and and. What worked for somebody else may not work for you. Exactly. Yeah. You don't understand everything that's involved. So once again, I hope you're seen. We just gave you some who, what, where, when, why, how. And you're like, I've heard all those before. This is not what I expected. We are showing you what the focus of your, if your focus of your questions is only on the what, the what, and the where. Okay. So I've got to do this exercise and I go to the gym and I do this. Great. Then you are missing the, the other two levels of truly having questions that can unlock and give you a, like Garrett said, a full strategy to give you a full plan to, to understand the tactics, to have truly a, a big picture vision of like, hey, if this tactic doesn't fail, that's okay because I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I know I know what the plan was to get me there. So this now is failing. I can make a reassessment, ask a better question, and get back on track. Is that fair, a fair yeah, highlight? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So again, low level is what and where. And Strat, I want to I want to make a, a relation here between strategy and tactics. Uh, and there's a really great quote from General Patton, who is uh, a favorite general of mine from World War II. Patton was known as a great strategist. Uh, many of the battles that Patton was involved in, he was strategic or he was essential in helping win that battle. Right. And so strategy is knowing what to do, not having a plan. Strategy is knowing what to do. No one's, no one's given you a plan, but you can see the battlefield and know what to do. Where does that come from? It's, it's comes from knowing why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Right. And there's, there's, there's wisdom that goes into strategy and there's some other thought processes there, but at a base level, you've got to understand why you're there so you can assess all these different questions. Right. So, but anyways, patent, uh, strategy. Strategy is knowing what to do. Tactics is knowing how to do it, right? Patton is the one who could say, we have all these targets of opportunity. This is the target I need you to take. And then that would get passed down to lower level battlefield commanders. That would get passed down to the lieutenants and the sergeants. And the sergeant would say, this is how we're going to take that hill. So that's the difference between strategy and tactics. There's a million, and that's a lot of businesses fail with strategy, right? They finally sharpen their tactics like, oh, we know how to make a sale, but you don't actually know what target. There's so many targets out there yeah. and you don't know which is the right one. Okay, but I want to make a connection here. This is what Patton said about strategy. Again, he was one who was known for having such great strategy where people would say, man, if Patton had been here, if he had given us a better, if, if Patton had given us his strategies and his plans, we would have been successful in this, this battle. And here's what Patton said about strategy. Patton said, good tactics can save the worst strategy and bad tactics can ruin the best strategy. Mm. So what is he saying there? He's saying, and this is a guy who's known for his great strategy. What he's saying is that even if I give you the best plan, if you can't execute correctly, you're going the plan's worthless, yeah. right? And on the flip side of that, I can give you a plan that's really not that great, but if your level of execution is a picture of excellence, is a picture of discipline, we will still be successful. So I say that to say um, the high level is important as well as the low level is important. All of these things, you don't want to just have the on the ground perspective. You want to have the mid-level perspective and the high level perspective. Yeah. So, and I, and I want to repeat what you said. So you said strategy is knowing what to do. Tactics is knowing how to do it. Right. Correct. Okay, good. So when we're saying low, mid so, but what, what most people want, and so strategy is high level, but strategy is knowing what to do, how that, that would seem, um, the, those would seem in conflict, right? Because we have low level as what and where, but how is strategy a high level thing of knowing what to do? Having a what to do is a plan, right? Like I just hand you a piece of paper and it says, go do this, mm -hmm. right? Just like that's the employee mentality. Like just tell me what to do, right? But the reason that strategy is high level is strategy is a plan with a why, Yes. right? And so if you have a plan with a why, even when the plan fails, you can conceive a new plan if you don't understand why when your plan breaks, 
you're SOL, you're up a creek, you don't know what else to do anymore. Yeah. And you have to wait for someone, again, to tell you what to do. That's the employee mentality. Hey, I went out to do this task, and it didn't work. What do I do now? Right. So to put this in a, in a practical application, somebody who's thinking only on the low level without a holistic view might start with, hey, what are you doing to get, you know, to get a bigger chest? Talking about workouts because it's something that everybody can hopefully relate to. They've done some sort of exercise. Well, I, you know, I lift this much on this day and I do this many sets. Okay, cool. I'm going to go do that. Whereas somebody who might have a more holistic thought process, like, hey, why do you, why do you design your workout plan the way that you do? And that's going to unlock somebody to think, well, they're going to go into a lot more detail about, well, my body responds to this, this, and this. And you're going to become aware to the holistic approach they took to get down to the, the what? Is that a fair Is that a fair? No, example? totally. You're just, yeah, in, in the context of bodybuilding, when you understand the science, yeah. when you're not getting the results that you had intended, you understand why you're not and you can make proper changes versus if all you ever looked at was an action plan and you followed someone else's action plan but didn't get the same results that they got, you don't know why and right. you're stuck. Right, exactly. Okay, so... I hope you guys are getting that again. So high is the why and the when because, and it's interesting that we put when in the high level thought process, but when you understand the why and you've gone down to the mid and you understand the who's that you need and how you're going to do it, then you get into the what and the where, you're going to understand that the timeline is very important. And that's why we put that as part of the high, high level strategy. So I want to give some examples to you. I want to put your brain to work here as to some questions that would, would be good questions to ask in areas of life that we can relate to. So I'm going to use a career as an example. And I think most people's career questions will get no higher than how can I make more money, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, what do I have to do to get a promotion? So how would you use the, the full thought process that we gave to craft a better question when looking at career? Okay, so give me the wrong question and then I'll give you the right question. So I think the wrong question, and this is the question that I know I've asked and I'm sure plenty of our listeners have, is well, how do I make more money and what do I have to do to get a promotion? Those would be two very common questions. Yeah. So if let's, let's just, let's be particular. Like you're going to be that person asking me like, Garrett, you're, I'm your coach, right? Like how do I make more money? Yeah. Okay. Uh, then I, the, the questions that I would ask you, well, is how much money do you really want to make? Then I would ask you how, what value do you bring at your job right now? What are they paying you? Are you exceeding the value of what they're paying you? Are you waiting to get promoted before you add more value? What do you think is the most value that you could provide anywhere in the world? What type of value do you want to add in this world? If you focus on, and this is like bringing it back to the why, right? You're just saying like, I just want a job that pays more money, right? If you just want a job that pays more money, like the most high paying jobs that you can have out there still even stop at a couple million dollars, right? And that may seem like a ton to some people, but when you look at what's conceivable out there in the realm of potential income, a few million dollars is actually low. And those are mostly salespeople who really get outside of the realm of a job. Uh, the, the other really high paying jobs out there are some CEOs of the largest corporations. But even then, who makes the most money out there are business owners, mm-hmm. people who solve the problems, people who started from the very beginning and built something up. Um, so anyways, I don't want to go off down that road, but it, I would still bring that question back of how do I make more money? Um, to really getting to why is it that you want to make money and then what value can you bring, not just how can we get you a promotion. Mm. And I hope you caught in there the the lack of understanding patterns. Like what in the example you just gave, what you immediately did was you asked a couple questions. Of, I think one of the questions you said was what do you bring the most, what area of life do you bring the most value in? Yeah. So now suddenly that is a, an area of pattern recognition because you know, you got to understand supply and demand, right? As part of, as part of knowing where opportunities are, there's a reason why the wealthiest people in the world are usually people who are business owners and not CEOs and employees. So many people get stuck in this. They're like, man, like I'm just, I feel underappreciated, right? I feel like I'm not getting paid enough uh, at my job. Well, it it could be one of a couple things. Maybe you are underappreciated or maybe you have exceeded the level of value that the role that you sit in is capable of being paid right? Like maybe you can solve incredible problems, but you're an assistant project manager, right? And the salary cap there is $75,000. It's not that you're not worth more than that. It's that the seat that you sit in, the job that you've taken is only worth so much. And what you have to ask yourself, I asked myself this question. I've helped other entrepreneurs ask themselves this question. If you're worth more, 
If you think you're worth more than whatever you're being paid, then prove it, yeah. right? And if it's not here, then it's going to be somewhere else. But don't look at it. The, the wrong way to look at it is to look at your boss and ask him the question, like, why don't you pay me more? Why don't you see more value in me? Maybe he can't see what you can see. Or maybe it's not important to him to see that. But you've got to say, I know what value I have. And if I can't bring it here, I can bring it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's the right thought process there. Yeah. No, I like that. And I, I just want to highlight what you did for somebody. Somebody that's coming in just saying, how do I make more money? Or what do I have to do to get promotion? Is focused very much on tactics and how-tos. And what you pulled them back to was vision and mission questions because you said things, well, why do you want to make that, right? So you're pulling them to, this is where we talked about high, mid, and low. Before you get down to what do I have to do to get promotion? How do I make more money? You pulled them back to like, why do you want to make more money? And what do you bring? What's, what's your biggest area of value? Those are vision, mission, big picture questions. So I, want, I wanted to highlight that for people. It's the same thought process of how fast do I have to run that this wouldn't be hard for me. Exactly. Right. But when it really becomes what price are you willing to pay? What would it take to make you quit? If you think you're worth more than 75, if you think you're worth more than 100, if you think you're worth more than 175, what price are you willing to pay to prove it? Yeah. There's times where doing what I'm doing today in real estate development, there's times where, where I've thought like, oh man, I could make the same money I'm making easier doing something else. And, yeah. and I could, but th- there's, there's reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing uh, in real estate development. There's reasons that I love it. And also just from a money-making perspective, real estate development, because I, I do have the desire to make a lot of money. Real estate, and I'm just talking through like my own thought processes for where I'm at in my life. Um, real estate development also has the potential you can make 20, 30, 100 million dollars in a year um, in the right situations as a real estate developer. You can't do that in a job. Yeah. So some of what I'm doing today is helping me get to where I want to go in the future, where I have the ability to add more value and create more value right. versus just say, who, why, why don't you give me more for what I'm doing today? Yeah. I, I want to wrap because we, we have gone a little bit longer. But um, guys, I hope you've understood the value of questions. I hope you realize that, that, that full thought process of a low, medium, high vision, beyond just the what and the where and the tactics, you need to understand the whys. You need to understand the whens, the hows, the whos. Have that vision and mission to tie the full thought process together and get to the heart of it with the questions. So our challenge for you before we go is where are you either not asking questions or asking the wrong questions that is costing you time, money, and energy in your life? Because remember, questions are not free. Do you have anything you want to add? All right, guys. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Remember to share, like, subscribe. If you think that this would be something that someone would enjoy, please send it to them. We appreciate it all. If you want to get in touch, you can follow us on Instagram at The Impossible Life. You'll find us on there. You can also email at impossiblelifepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you want to get in touch and find out about Garrett's personal or business coaching, that's the way to do it. Thank you again for listening. Go out there, think better, and live the impossible. See you again soon. Long before ice baths were a thing, Garrett was doing them in the SEAL teams. Now we do them as part of our daily morning routine to make us better. We are very pleased to have partnered with Freedom Plunge. Freedom Plunge is on a mission to bring cold exposure to everyone. They believe that cold plunges should be affordable, easy to use, and represent the customer themselves. Cold plunges shouldn't cost a fortune, and these ones don't. Garrett and I both use our Freedom Cold Plunge every single day. It's customized. You can put whatever you want on them. For us, we have our Impossible Life logos. And here's the best part. Just for listening to this podcast, you can go to freedomplunge.com, use the discount code IMPOSSIBLE, and save $500 off any Freedom Plunge. These things are half the price of the ones that you see on the internet, plus you're going to save an additional $500 with code IMPOSSIBLE. Go to freedomplunge.com and get yourself one now. You will not regret it.